0: Good to see
1: y'all.
0: All right, let's take us to
1: some stand together. Let's turn to 531.
0: 531. All hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Please, grateful for your of him
1: All right, yes, we'll lift those up in prayer. Others? Anybody else? Just Miss Charlotte. Okay, your health. Mom? Yes, y'all pray for my aunt, please. Okay, yeah, Thursday. Yes, y'all please pray for Miss Nell. She's going in for surgery on Thursday, uh, hip replacement surgery. Y'all please pray to God to guide those doctors and for her her to just come through it with blind colors. We're just praying God just has his hand all over the whole time And uh, we're going to pray you through that, sister. Anybody else? Anybody else? Listen, I just want you to pray this morning that God moved in here. I want you to pray that God touch your heart, speak to you today. Uh, That's my heart's desire this morning. I, I really want God to meet you. So let's pray that. while we're praying, while Robert's leading us in prayer, you pray right where you're at. God, please talk to me today. Please speak to me today. Would you do that? Let's ask him to, because you know what? If we don't invite him to, then God's not going to trample over us. We want we want to invite God to speak to our hearts. Let's do that right now, right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. You can be
2: seated.
1: Number 495, 495, Brethren, we
0: have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Brethren. Well, right. right. Holy mirror, where Thou hast sight. Needing no mirror, Lord, blessed Lord, to Thy precious leading sight. Consecrate me now to Thy service.
1: the chapter here in just a second. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. I got one verse there I want to start us off on and we'll go from there. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. Isaiah 57 verse 15. I'm assuming you found that because I heard, "Hey, just stop rushing." Okay, so let's take a, let, let's let's look there and let's read that this morning. Isaiah 57 verse 15. The Bible says, "For thus saith the High and Lofty One, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit." to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Let me read that verse again. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. That's a broken spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer.
2: Dear Lord, I come
1: before your throne this morning, and I, I come needy. I come this morning, Lord, pleading with you for an outpouring of your spirit. I come, Lord, pleading with you to take control of me. Lord, the best that I know how, I, I humbly put myself into your hands and I, I relinquish control and I ask you, Lord, to, to now control the thoughts of my mind and the words of my lips. Lord, I pray, Father, you work in the hearts of your people this morning, those that are set before me and those who are listening in. Lord God, there's, there's a great need this morning for you to show up. Lord, there's a great need for us to hear from you. Lord, we need you in this hour. Lord, we live in the deadness of this country. We live in the deadness of Christianity in America. And, Lord, we're drowning in it. This morning, Lord, the best we know how, we come to you and we ask you, Lord, show up in our midst. Lord God, we pray that you speak through your word. Lord, that you clear out a path to our hearts, Lord. And we pray that you do work there. And, Lord, that we come out of this service not the same as we went in. Pray, Lord, this morning you take control now. And, Lord, I've, I've asked you over and over all all this week, please, Lord, use this message. Do a work in the hearts of your people, and we'll give you praise and glory for it. And you use me now, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I tell you, I, I, I've, I've looked forward to and I've dreaded this message all week long at the same time. I want to talk to you this morning, I, and, we're, and we're in between books right now as we've been studying through the, the, uh, the letters of Paul wrote in the New Testament of the churches, and uh, we're, we're now going to be going into First Corinthians, and, uh, but I decided, you know what, we're not going to do that this week. I'm going to take a week in between and just preach something that the Lord's laid on my heart.
0: And so this morning,
1: I'm going to preach a message on what is real revival. What is real revival? I, I've heard of revival, at least supposedly right now, in uh, Kentucky, but I'll be honest with you, I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical of that. Uh, I'm always skeptical whenever I hear that there's revival. Not that I don't want revival, because I want revival more than I want anything. I want God to, to renew me. and uh, But I, I'm skeptical of what I hear, and I'll give you some reasons for that in a minute. But let me just say this before I start. I don't have any notes. I'm just working off off the top of my head on this. But let me just say to you, first of all, there's different ways of experiencing revival. Number one is individual revival. I have been in church services, and perhaps some of you have too, where God has moved on the altar and that you just wrung yourself out to him and said, God, I'm tired of the way things are. I'm tired of the way I've been. Lord God, I'm living in sin, I've got this in my life, I've got that in my life, I've got faith in my life, I don't belong, and I want you to cleanse me, and I want you to fill me with your spirit, and I want you to use Now, I wonder if you've ever done that. Oh, okay. okay. hope you like I've done that. All right? Well, praise God for that. That's individual, God. And then there are times when, when a church service is meeting, and, and, and a church is meeting, and, and, and God just moves in, and God takes control over that church service. And usually when that happens, you know, it, again, people people start getting saved, people start getting right with God, uh, and, and, it, and it, it powerfully changes that church, and their focus is renewed, and and, and everything, and they're, they're not the same. And I can tell you, a church right now that's experiencing that revival, uh, Legacy, texture County, right now, Legacy Baptist Church, Texas County. My friend Donnie Edwards, he used to be the pastor at East Parish, in in, uh, in Paris, he was also he's also sitting on the church pew. In Buckner, Arkansas, next to my sister in a youth group, we went to the same church in Arkansas. But he's now at Legacy Baptist Church in Texas, Ken. I spoke to him yesterday, and he said, "Brother, he said i never seen anything like it." He said, "He said you know we're just serving God, we're trying to, trying to we're trying to trying to get a hold of God, we're trying to have Him moving in our meetings." And he said, we just, we're just just preaching the word, and he said, and we're praying uh for God to move. And he said, and people are just coming in by droves. He said, people ended in the church in years. They're coming back and renewing their, 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 self, their self of the Lord
0: and, and, and get around with God. And he said, it's just
1: tremendous. He said, he said, we got people coming from everywhere. I, I'm tempted to drive to Texas Canada tonight and go to the church service. I may do that. But that's church-wide revival. But then there's community revival. We haven't seen that in a long time, and I dare say we won't ever see that again in this country. And the reason I say that is because we don't live in the same kind of country we live in. We don't live in a world that's dependent on word of mouth. We don't live in a country where neighbors know one another. We don't live in a country where, where, where God's even respected. It used to be we lived in a country where they had a blue ball. That thing shut down on Sundays. Let me tell you what happened when revival hits the community. Uh, There was a revival, I can't remember exactly, I read about it years ago in the early days of my ministry. There was a revival in the early days of this country. I want to say it was in the south, I want to say it was down in Georgia. I'm not positive about that. But in this revival, once it began to take place, it swept through the town, and the businesses shut down so they could meet the church. Uh, All all the stores closed. Um, I'm, I'm told that the jails actually were turned out, and everybody in that town went the revival. Everybody in that town uh, was affected by that. Now, <laughs> that has happened, and it's happened many times. There's also a national revival which took place in Israel. But what we're talking about right now, we're talking about the church. We're talking about us in this day and time. Let me. I want to give you, here's what I want to do to start this message off. I really, I want to give you some quotes by one of my favorite revival preachers, and his name was Leonard Gravenhill. I know y'all know the name Leonard Gravenhill. Got two hands, all right? Well, let me just say he came from England. He moved to America and he died here uh, a number of years ago. But here's some things that Leonard Ravenhill had to say about revival.
0: Revival
1: is the Spirit's passion
0: within the believer
1: to know and obey the total will of God. It's when you come to the point where you say, God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I want to do it more than I want to breathe. I want you to have me. I want you to use me. Lord God, please put your hand on me and do something with my life. Oh, God, I put myself in your hand. I submit to you, my entire being, everything that I am, for anything that you appointed may remove it. That's, that's when a person comes seeking revival. And when a person, hey, listen, when, when, when that passion, when that fire of God begins to burn in your bosom again, that's personal revival. He also said, the only reason that we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. Hear what I said. The only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. Would the God would get a hunger in us? Say, God, set me on fire for you. I want to burn for you. I want to, I want I want to be a light that shines for you. Another one. It says, "When God given, heaven sent revival does come, it will undo in weeks the damage that blasphemous modernism has taken years to build. Revival is a destructive force." I was listening to I was to Leonard Ravenhill, and he spoke about my other good, uh, my other favorite preacher, A. W. Tozer. They were having a conversation, and Tozer told him, "He said the revival is the most destructive force on earth because." It forces its way through a community and changes that community. Speaking of how it takes place, it takes place because the church prays. So he's talking about prayer, and he says this, he says, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying, hmm. we have many organizers, but few agonizers, many players and payers. Few prayers, many singers, few painters, lots of pastors, few wrestlers, few fears, few tears, much fashion, little passion, many interferers, few intercessors, many riders, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. He said revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he showed himself. And lastly, I'll, I'll give you this one. He said you never have to advertise a fire. Everybody comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you'll not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. If this church is on fire with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's fire. You wouldn't have to tell people something's going on here. Come they see people coming and showing up right and yeah. left. want to find out what's going on over at Temple Baptist Church. Let me tell you something. They see it in you in the community. It was they see the change in you. They say, Hey, something's going on over there.
0: We gotta
1: find out. Take you I want you to turn to Second Corinthians eleven. I got some ground to cover this morning, so we don't worry about the clock too much. We we we're gonna go right back here and eat when we we'll get done. But I need to preach this message more than we need to eat. 2 Corinthians eleven, one through 4. Now <clears throat> let me read.
0: Let me say why I'm turning there this morning.
1: I'm turning there this morning for a reason. I want I want to clear up this matter about this Asbury revival real quickly. Now, uh, again, let me say before before I get into this. Just just so you understand, I mean, it, it is it a meeting that was it was a college chapel service at Asbury College in Wilmington, Kentucky, and it's a
0: Methodist Wesleyan College. Okay? Uh,
1: they're not Baptist. They're not Baptist. They're all in But that's not the point. Do I believe God can send revival in a Methodist church? Sure. Do I believe God can send revival in a Lutheran church? Sure. He chose to. Listen, where well, people are dead, and dead religion, God can send revival. That's for sure. Because revival is bringing back to life something that was once dead. But let me explain let me, let me something to you. There's a difference between a revival and a movement. There's a difference between a revival and a movement. I believe what happened up in Kentucky is a movement, and I'll share with you why in just a second. But I want you to understand why I'm coming at you with this. Second Corinthians eleven one through four, Paul said, "Would to God you could bear with me a little in my body." He said, "I know this is going to sound like foolishness to you, and indeed bear with me." He said, "For I'm jealous over you, with a godly jealousy." I have, I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the listen, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, wouldn't he say, "Hey, have God said, oh, you shall
0: not do
1: that'? Go ahead and do that, fruit. it'll be
0: okay." The serpent lied to Eve. He he, he, he beguiled her. He tricked her.
1: He said, he said, and I'm afraid that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. And he goes on to say, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. Not the Jesus we know, but another Jesus. You say there's another Jesus? Oh, Jesus said there'll be many shall come in my name. That's what the Bible tells us. In the last days, many shall come in my name. He says, if somebody comes
0: and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or, or if you receive another spirit, so another spirit beside the Holy Spirit? Who oh, are Lots of spirits.
1: There's a spirit of jealousy. There's a spirit of lust. There's a spirit of confusion. There's all kinds of spirits. There's evil spirits everywhere. He says, if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, There's plenty of people preaching other ways to be saved. Of course, we know they won't save you. But there's another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel, which he had not accepted. He said, he said I am jealous, or I'm afraid that you might run off of that temper. You might run away if somebody comes and presents to you another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. I'm jealous, I'm afraid that that might happen, and that's why I'm talking to you, and I want you to listen to me. That's what he's saying. You know, Proverbs 27, 6 says this. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So I want to give you proof up here this morning. And maybe you don't even heard of this revival meeting that broke out, but I ain't heard nothing but that all week long. I ain't on social media just every two or three minutes. I, I keep seeing another video or something about it. So evidently I needed to pay attention. Let me give you some thoughts from some people who went to this revival. This this right here is from an article from the Detroit Catholic newspaper. And the title of the article is this. Jesus was right next to me. Asbury Revival sets Catholics on fire with the Holy Ghost. Now, here this: Father Fisher told OSV News he visited Asbury after celebrating Sunday Mass, February 12th, and saw several current and former Lexington Catholic high school students there. Hands were raised, people were singing, all in one accord, said Father Fisher, adding he was reminded of Psalm 133, verse 1, in which the psalmist declares how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together as one. It says in unity in the King James. But anyway, it says Father Fisher, he wore his album stole, that's his priestly garb, while at Ashbury, told OSB News he got into praise mode during which he called what he called modernized taze experience and found himself filled with love. He said, what in the world is a modernized Taze experience? Well, i tell you. i looked it up. It says a Taze worship that refers to Taze, France, uh, where it monastery is at. A Taze worship involves sung and chanted prayers, meditation, a period of silence, liturgical readings, and icons. There is no preaching. The style of prayer practiced at Taze has attracted many worshipers from around the globe and from many different denominations. The prayers consist of short chants, Repeated again and again, according to the introduction in a Tay's songbook. The words are sung over many times. The Asbury phenomenon is children, definitely of God, definitely of the Holy Spirit, he said. How would he know? He's a lost Catholic priest. How's he gonna know? He's following he's following the Baal worship system. How's he gonna know? The Asbury phenomenon, he said, is pure and definitely of God, definitely of the Holy Spirit, he said. The fruits are gathering already apparent, said Father Fisher, who has heard confessions and has offered healing prayers for some attendees, including one, young, including one young man struggling with addiction, and the priest said has been able to maintain several days of sobriety. Okay, for
0: him. Can I say something to you?
1: People could get saved at that place in spite of what's going on. In spite of what's going on. You know God could save somebody in a, in a church, Christ Church, if they heard the gospel clear enough. Do you know that God could save somebody
0: in a, in a, in a Lutheran church if they heard the gospel? God could save somebody in a Catholic church if they heard the gospel clear. Sometimes people get saved in unusual places, in spite
1: of everything that's going on around them. So I'm not. I, listen, can I say
0: this to you? I want
1: revival to break out everywhere. I'm not against revival. But what I'm against is somebody saying something is revival when it's not and confusing people and leading people astray. And I'm gonna give you another one. We've seen the Catholics weigh in and, and the, I can't picture you and I hearing that there's a revival meeting going on down here in another denomination church, and we all loaded up and go down there and there's Catholic priest standing there and these old priestly garments way into the music training, and let's say, Hey, we need to start." I think we probably start that elite. Amen. Now, well, now hold on. Here's another reference. This is from a a, a a video by a outfit called the New Evangelicals, and the title of the of the video is "I Went to the Asbury Revival." Now, this is just a small excerpt from it, but I wanted to read this to you because I wanted you to hear what he said. These are his words. Now, this is a guy with, with a little beanie cap on and earrings, and he's talking about that. He seriously said. I met a few of the queer students on campus. Now, Asbury, as an organization, an institution, is not technically affirming. However, they seem to be in progress in how they treat and how they love students that are queer. And the one person I talked to in particular is very open and honest about who they are. I mean, they're wearing the pronoun pins and had it all over their backpack. Even did like an art installation talking about how they've been treated as someone who's queer in the church as a whole. And Asbury supports it. They told me that the faculty overall was very supportive of them, so that's progress. Now, hold on. Sodom might feel comfortable and reliable so with it? Sodom I feel comfortable there. Now, I don't buy that. And I don't think you do either. If revival was truly taking across, and if that pastor stands frequently one another and through his garments, said and said, Praise God, I'm saved. Hallelujah. I ain't going back to that dead. We religion. Hey, listen, if this fella got the, got delivered from the son of me and they're like, listen, I'd say, so hey, there's something there. But all that takes place when anybody tries to say, now hold on, let's look at this objectively. They get harsh criticism.
0: You're talking against the Holy Spirit of God. You're attacking what God said. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Can I say something to you? Be very wary of something that doesn't want to stand up to discernment. God tells us to try the Spirit, whether they be in God. He says that in the Word of God. He wants us to try them. Now, i got to hurry and get into this messenger. I ain't never going to get there because I've just barely cracked, cracked the door. <laughs> Paul said in Galatians 1, 6 to 9, I marvel
0: that you're
1: so removed from him that called you into the grace of God from God. Into the grace of God, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be them that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, hear what he said: Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That literally means he can burn in hell. As we said before, now say we again: If any man preach any other gospel unto you, other than salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye have received, let him be accursed, or let him burn in hell.
0: Now let me just let me just say, I
1: don't know of any place in the world, any nation, any nation in the world needs revival any more than America does. I, I want our church to have revival. I want revival in my life. I want you to experience revival in your life. I don't know of any place in the world any better for revival to come than right here at Temple Baptist Church. But like I said, like Leonard Ravenhill said, as long as we're to live without revival, we will. We can go on day after day. We can go on year after year expressing our desire for revival but still being content to live without it. Or we can ask God for a holy discernment anything less than his revival and work in our hearts into our life. Listen, God, please. We, I mean, I just, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. We can ask for a holy discontent. We can ask God, Lord, please make me unhappy with my life until I, until, until I get to the point where I'm ready to receive revival. Lord, please make me miserable in my sin. Lord God, please make me miserable with my ways until I want to be in line with your ways. Now, I can't give you a, a specific prescription for how to have revival, although we know that God does, he has promised to revive us if we are contrite before him, which we read in our text. But instead of some half two steps this morning, I want to propose six things, six characteristics that are present in every genuine revival in both Scripture and down through history. I'm going to give you six things, and we'll be done. I've got to hurry with them. Number one. And this is an acrostic, it spells out revive. okay? So you will not take notes, you'll see that. The first one is re- repentance. There has to be repentance if there is to be revival. Revival is the result of a humbled heart. You hear me? A humbled heart. Not one that thinks, I'm okay, I'm doing good. Listen, we're not talking about an acknowledgement, when well, I say repentance, I'm not talking about acknowledging and saying, Lord, you know what? I'm I could do better in my life, Lord. I know I could do better. That's not repentance. No, repentance is an acknowledgment and a brokenness over our sin. That's what repentance is. It's when we see the selfishness, we see the self-focus, we see the ongoing pride in our heart, and we call it what it truly is. We call it sin, and we see that as the root of our distance from God. That's what's keeping us from God. And we realize, I don't want to be distant from God anymore. I want to be near to him. I want to be right by his side. I want his, I want his love wrapped around me. I want to feel his presence in my life. I want God to have it, pour out his favor on me.
0: Repentance is, is a is a formative of self. I'm going to tell you, when you come to repent, you get down here on your knees, you ain't holding anybody back. You're like a man of a clergy patient in a corner. You say, God, I know it's a hard,
1: proof way of looking at it, but it is. It's like emptying yourself of everything. Getting all that's down in you that doesn't belong there out. It's a disgust of sin. It involves godly sorrow. That sorrow that comes from God, that he, the Holy Spirit, creates that godly sorrow in your heart. And it turns us to Jesus for cleansing and for changing. Because repentance is not when you get out here and cry. Repentance is when you change. You cry all you want to. get up and go back to what you did before. Repentance is when you change. When you say, that's it. I've done. I've had enough. I'm, I'm sick of my sin. I'm sick of waller in it. I'm sick of what
0: it's doing to me. God set me free from it today.
1: Second Corinthians 17 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance, Salvation, not to be repented of. In other words, when God gets a hold of you and God breaks your heart over your sins, you won't
0: want to go back and
1: do it again. He said, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. Hey, it'll, it'll it'll depress you, put you in a put you in a state where you where you don't want to be here anymore. But boy, when God brings that sorrow on you, listen, there's joy coming. There's joy coming when all is dealt with. But you know, we usually like to skip over anything that has to do with repentance because it's not comfortable. I mean, you know, somebody say, I, I,
0: I, I know I need to be right with God,
1: but you know, I'm doing pretty good in my spiritual walk. I'm doing all right, you know, I'm doing okay. You're not ready for revival if that's the state of mind you're in. You think about when, when, when Christ, when Christ uh, gave that letter to John to the Church of Ephesus. What did he do? He called them back to their first love. And when he did that, you know what? He didn't skip over repentance. They were the best church that he wrote to. But he didn't skip over repentance at all. And you know what? We shouldn't either. In Revelation 2, 5, he talks about it. He tells you, he says, remember. Remember. Therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Think back to where you messed up. Remember that. When you got out of line with me, when you got out of my will, Think back to that point and repent. When you look back and see what you did wrong, that's where you need to fix it. Repent. Confess it to me and forsake it. He said, and do the first words. What does that mean? Y'all know? It means go back to the way you used to live. You know, if a marriage is failing and there's revival in the marriage, what's going to happen? husband and wife are going to fall back in love with each other the way they you to, And the marriage would be like it was in the days of the honeymoon. Okay? Well, the same thing is true in our salvation. When we first got saved, man, you talk about love of Jesus. We're going to fire for Jesus. But time and things beat us down and wear us down and we get dull in our thinking and dull in our love. And, and God is saying to us, you need to get on your face. You need to remember what I did for you. You need to remember how I love you. You need to remember,
0: and when you remember, it'll break your heart,
1: and you need to confess it to me and renew your love. I say first one is repentance. The second one is when there's revival, there is exalting Christ. Christ is exalted. He's lifted up. He is, he's magnified. A revived heart has an overwhelming desire to exalt Jesus more than anything else in this world. More than the idol of self. You hear me? Because self becomes an idol. We we are we become our own little G gods. We do what we want to do. But see when we turn it over to God, we don't we not want to lift ourselves up. We're going to lift Jesus up. The revived heart does not minimize Jesus Christ. It doesn't push him into a corner. He's to be magnified because he's Lord and he deserves to be lifted up in praise. The revived heart sees Christ as high and lifted up. Like it says in Isaiah 6, 1 through 3, in the year that King Nezai died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And it stood, above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain did he fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts in the whole earth. Is full is glory. When revival comes, listen. When revival comes, we're only we talking about revival. See, it's not about the revival meeting itself. It's about the one who were who is who were being revived too. It's about Christ. I hear people. Actually, I heard of people coming from as far as Hawaii and New Zealand to go to Asbury College.
0: That's the
1: you know you, know you can go to a prayer closet and find revival just as easy as you could trying to walk into that place? Probably quicker. Probably quicker if we get along with God and we stay there until we got a hold of him, we come out of there revived. revive. Like I said, when revival comes, we won't be talking about revival, we'll be talking about Jesus. Mark twelve thirty says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. That sounds like to me you're using every fiber of your being to love God. And you are if you're doing that. And it says this is the first commandment. This is number one. That's the number one thing you as a believer need to focus on doing, is loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And why shouldn't you?
0: Only God can shed his light, save his life,
1: When we exalt Christ, it means loving him with all our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength and walking with him moment by moment so our life follows around him. That's the way God would have us to be. Colossians 3, 4 tells us what Christ means to us. It says, when Christ, who is our life? You know, I have no life outside of Jesus Christ. The life I tried to live before was wreck, and I turned that life over to Jesus. I'm assuming you did that too. He is our life. And if we're trying to live that life outside of him, we're not him at all. The Bible tells us love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Things now love the world, but love the love of the Father is not in it. Don't tell me you love God if you're all wrapped up in the world, because you're loving for the world, not God. You're, you're sliding God to go ahead of others. If your heart's not beating for your Lord and Savior. I mean, listen, the Bible says he's our life, and, and together... As a church body, you and I are to exalt Christ. We're to lift him up then when our, uh, and our church family comes together. We want to give the, the, word, the preaching of the Word of God our full attention and full access to our heart to let God change us by the Word of God. I mean, revival preaching, Lord, I love revival preaching. Listen, revival preaching is faithful to the Scriptures. Revival preaching is faithful to the authority of the Scriptures, that, this God, that God's Word is final. And that God's word is all sufficient. That there's no need of anything beyond the word of God. You know, Jesus uh, that the word of God tells us that God has exalted His word above His name. As the Bible says in, in Proverbs, I can't remember what chapter it's in, but, but all
0: right,
1: another thing, I read you. Know, I heard at that meeting up there, there was very little any. Matter of fact, there was a seminary professor from the Baptist University that went to that. as a woman, not a Southern Baptist. But anyway, she said, she said, there's very, very little preaching here. She said, it's almost preaching a verse. They don't want preaching. They want the presence of God. So they stand in the stone with their arms raised for hours and hours on the end, over and over, but they don't want to preach it. Something wrong there. Something smells funny. Listen, God honors his word. God magnifies his word. Don't tell me you don't want, you want God, but you don't want his word. There's no way you can have both. I mean, there's no way you can do that that way. It's like I said, preaching, preaching is bold in revival meetings. Preaching is urgent, urging people to come to Christ. It's uncompromising. Tell him this is the only way,
0: and it is the only way.
1: Insteading setting God before God's people, the way of life and death and heaven and hell, in the reality
0: of eternity.
1: Powerful, spirit-filled sermons, exposing sin, magnifying Christ, illuminating the cross, penetrate the heart of the saved and lost alike with the realities of heaven and hell. Isaiah 58, 1 and 2 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show thy pe- my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. They don't want that up there, though. I say that's not a revival. That's a movement. Promise keepers was not a revival either. If y'all remember that, that was a big thing went on up during the nineties, For all men gathered in to stadiums and they stood, way and swayed back and forth, and the praise team got on stage and sang the same courses over and over and over again. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was a good feeling. Everybody got a good feeling out of it. I didn't go to it, but I guess people did me. They got a good feeling out of it. And maybe some of them made some decisions for God. Praise God for them that they did. And I'm all for that. But I can tell you this. That is not, where, where God's Word is not preached strongly, there's there no revival going to take place. There's no revival without making Christ preeminent and His Word primary. Number three, the third thing is where there's revival That's the valuing of Christ. Oh, he's he's the most important thing. He has preeminence. Listen, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Sunday night. But we show what we value by what we seek first. Those are our priorities. And Jesus calls us to seek him and his kingdom first. Not second, not third, but first. And we show what we value again by what we seek. Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In his book, Discipline by Grace, author John Strombeck wrote this. He said, the Holy Spirit
0: never leads
1: anyone to look at himself and his own accomplishments, but only and always Christ and his work. And that's, that's a good picture of a revived heart. You see, when we value Jesus, when we value Christ, we'll not only love him, but we'll make his passion our passion. We'll make his mission our mission. We won't, try to do any, we won't try to live our lives independent of him. We'll try to live our lives interwoven in what he wants done. We'll seek after souls for his kingdom personally and regularly. We'll be looking around for lost people around us and seeking for ways to give them the gospel. Luke nineteen ten says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. So that, that's to be our mission as well. And we can't say we value Jesus Christ if we don't value the work that he came to do. If we don't see it as important, if we here. to let people just start going up into hell. If it doesn't bother us at all, to know that people are dying and going to hell. Something's wrong with us. We don't have revival. We've not experienced revival in our hearts. If we could care less whether people die and go to hell. The fourth thing is intercession. Intercession. Intercession, that's, that's playing for somebody on their
0: behalf. You say, hey, have the
1: problem with them, and I'm going to go to God with them. I'm going to go on their behalf.
0: And I've never heard
1: of a revival happening anywhere. Without God's people first getting on their knees, first of all, and crying out on behalf of others. That's where it starts. It starts on your knees. It starts in the place of prayer. It starts in the prayer closet. When we get a hold of God in prayer and we cry out, wringing our hearts out before God and begging Him to save souls, begging Him to deliver people who are caught up in sin. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, We're commanded to pray for one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You may say, Well oh, right, I've heard people say, I just want you pray about it.
0: Ain't nothing
1: else we can do. I just want you to pray about it. That, that makes me so sad when I hear somebody talk about it. Like, like, like the last hope. I guess it. I hope it works. You should have went there first. If you didn't went there first, you wouldn't be the in the mouth because God would already give you what you prayed for. So I'm going to ask everybody A personal question And I, I ask everybody watching this time The same question How is your prayer life How is your prayer life Not my prayer life Not the person sitting next to his prayer life But how is your prayer life Do you, When you pray Does your prayer extend beyond your family And your friends Do you ever think to pray for anybody Beyond your little circle Do you only pray for those who are good to you? Matthew five forty four says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So are we praying for those who hate our guts? Are we praying for those who would destroy us? Are we praying for those who, who, would, who would do evil to us, who harm us? Are we praying for them? We ought to be. Christ prayed for his enemies. He prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do we feel that way when somebody hurts us, or we say, well, I'm going to get that sucker? Listen, that's not the right attitude to have. We're not to have an attitude of revenge. No, we're to pray. We're to ask God to deal with them. Let God be the one who vindicates you. Let me ask you this. Are you interceding in prayer for me? I need you to pray for me. I don't know if you pray for me or not, but I'm asking you this morning, pray for your preacher. I need prayer. I need, pray for God to pour out his spirit on me. Pray for God to revive my heart. Pray for God to stir me afresh. Pray for God to pour out the fire of God on my life. I want it. You need to hear it from me. You need it to come flowing through this body, and this person. So pray for your preacher. I want to be a blessing not only to you, but to everybody I come in contact with. Listen, do you pray for your church ringing on me? Do you pray for God to grow this work? Do you pray for God to bless this work? Pray for God to pour souls through this door. Pray for Him. Pray for Him to use you to reach souls to bring folks to church. I praise God every time I see somebody come in with a visit. I praise God for these girls on this front row. I thank God for, I thank God that Richard brought Mary to this church. I thank God that you're here. Amen. I'm thankful every one of you are here, but I'm thankful, so thankful, when somebody new walks in these doors. Because, you know what, that's the potential. I want
0: to see this church
1: blessed. I want to see God bless this work here. Are you praying? Listen, I say your pastor, your church, are you praying for your community? We can't expect the mayor down here and the city council to do no good for this city. You need to count on God. Take it to God. If there's a problem in a school, if there's a problem in in a nursing home, if there's a problem somewhere in some other situation on a job, Take it to God. where is it into his feet. Are you praying for the leaders in the community? The mayor, the chairman, listen, all the lawyers that work in the courthouse, all these people who, who are leaders in this community, people on the city council, all of them, they need our prayer. Because you know what? They make decisions that affect every one of us. First Timothy 2.1 leads us to do that. It says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, that's begging God, Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We're not to limit our prayer life to just the people around us. We're to have a growing, expanding prayer life. And more importantly, how's your prayer life in general? Do you pray regularly? Is is your prayer life consistent? Is it growing? Is it getting any bigger? Do you do you write down do you write down the things you pray for and then see if God ever answers your prayer? I mean, that's something everybody ought to be doing. But it's not possible, my friends, that a a revived Christian is a non-praying Christian. We can't have revival unless we're prayer warriors, unless we get on our knees before God. The fifth thing, I've got six of them, I'm almost done. The fifth thing that will happen, prescription, uh, uh, not prescription, but the sixth, the fifth characteristic of revival is volunteering. We read Isaiah chapter 6 earlier. We're going to read from it again. But the Bible says when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah 6, three things took place. The first one is in verse 4 and 5. He responded in repentance. And, And by the way, that's also the response that Job gave. That's also the response when Peter gave when they came face to face with how great God was. They repented. Isaiah six four and five says And the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house is filled with smoke. This is Isaiah's account. And I said, because uh, he got a glimpse of how powerful and how how wonderful God was. And then said, I woe is me, for I am undone. I, I ain't no good. I'm no count. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. He looked at himself. You see, he got in the presence of a holy God, and he saw himself. He, he, it was like living in the mirror. He said, "I don't, I don't measure, I don't measure up. I'm undone. I'm unclean." He said, "I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips." We all got filthy mouths. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. He got right. He He said, "Lord, please, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a mess. God, please have mercy on me. Forgive me, cleanse me." And second of all, he was purified. That means he didn't get up the way he got down there. He got up different. He was purified with a coal from off the altar. In verses 6 and 7, the Bible said, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, this hath, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away,
0: and thy sin purged it.
1: That holy fire of God purged the sin from his lips. By the way,
0: that, that holy fire of God is
1: pictured I can't remember what I was reading, but the story of uh, uh, the, two, the two young men who put strange fire in the censors and brought it before God, and, the, and, the, and the, God smote them and they died because they brought strange fire before the Lord, which, which I started to hear in reference to this revival. But you see,
0: that strange fire, it's because they took coals themselves, like they started with a big lighter themselves, and put that in there and set that, and fire. Rather than taking it, the eternal place of God's altar.
1: And putting it in there. They brought strange fire. <clears throat> but he took a coal from God's altar and did that and purged him. So he was purified. So he repented. he was purified. And finally, what else happened? Well, he volunteered to serve. That was our point. Verse 8. And I, also I heard a voice from the Lord saying, what did the Lord say? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. There's a psalm in our songbook. Here am I, send me, send me. You see, revival always results in a voluntary spirit for the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we see Jesus as he is, when we really get a good look at him, we realize what a privilege it is to serve the Lord, and that we've been wasting our time not serving the Lord. It creates in us a greater desire than ever to be faithful to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards. That's somebody who's, that's somebody who's serving somebody. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. See, we return to a servant's heart as we remember our eternal reward. In hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, I want to hear that, don't you? When we, I mean, when we close our eyes for the last time in death and we open them in glory, let me tell you something. I want to hear it before the chief. I want to hear God say, well done.
0: But he's not going to say, well done. If we come of the? God's not going to lie to us. God, God, God's not going to live us. We're to be right now. He's going to now.
1: God's holy. God's holy. God demands holiness in us And last one I'm going on, I'm on to finish this thing Number six Is evangelism Where there's revival there's going to be evangelism There's going to be souls saved There's no true revival That didn't result in lost people coming to Christ And that's for two reasons First of all through revival, it creates a renewed emphasis on spreading God's word. You have revival from the church. You let people talk about, have we got any gospel tracts we hand have there? You got any gospel tracts
0: right here? I ain't nobody. You
1: know, we're up a whole bunch of gospel tracts, and I haven't had anybody ask me in the 30 years, but I'm two and a half, almost three years I've been here. I've had nobody ask me, have we got any more gospel tracts? You know, I didn't put out that many. But there's tracts all over this place. We just got to use them. But see, if we get revival, I won't have to be bugging nobody. Somebody come to me bugging me. <clears throat> Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, "So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth; it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it." You see, God's word. God's God's word needs to go forth. God's word is effective. And when we get revived, we've been wanting to spread it because we want to see God's Word change people. It's as simple as that. And secondly, when your heart gets revived, you make a big deal out of Jesus. You make a big deal out of Jesus, and you make a big deal out of getting people saved. Psalm 126, verse 6, Dr. John R. Rice's favorite verse, it says, He that goeth forth and weepeth. What does that mean? That means he goes forth with a broken heart. Why is his heart broken? Over lost sinners. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. The word of God is the precious seed. The Bible says if you go forth with a compassionate, broken heart, with the precious word of God, that person shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That sheaves, that we hold ourselves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, that's quick. Jesus a right, and the lost people to arise and feel great. And that's what that verse is referring to. We're, 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 we're bringing in the harvest. We'll bring in the harvest if we'll go forth with a broken heart in the Word of God. God has blessed that broken heart. The Bible says he, he's near to that, those with a contrite heart. That's the ones with a broken heart. When revival comes, my friends, ministry flows from our hearts to our hands. It, it, it's, it's, it's got to come out of this. We not only love the gospel, we believe the gospel. And we not only believe the gospel, we share the gospel with a sincere heart, wanting to see people get saved. And when that sharing of the gospel is accompanied by the power of the Holy Ghost, you know what will happen? People start getting saved. That's what happens. And it may not happen immediately, but eventually there's going to be some fruit to the glory of God. You'll see it begin to happen. If we begin to cry out to God, you'll see God begin to move. God moves in according to the prayers of his people. John 15.8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. See, that's how God's glorified. So you see, God wants some glory. And so with me as his people, I want to line up with you, and I want to be and I want to be your servant, and I want to please you, and I I want you to be pleased with me. God says, Okay, you can bring me much glory. And God will use you when you're in that condition, but you've got to come and repent and get right with God and seek God. If you'll come in repentance, if you'll start exalting Christ, if you'll bear your Christ like you ought to, if you'll intercede on behalf of other people, if you'll volunteer to do whatever God wants you to do, and you'll start sharing the gospel, God will do some great things in our midst. But we have got to get up above our blessed assurances and get right with God and get some things started happening. Do you desire to have a revived heart? I want one so bad. I can't tell you how bad I want my heart revived. Do you long for the reviving work of God in your life, and for God
0: to use you in His ministry somehow? I mean, I wish I could.
1: I wish I could cause revival to happen, but I can't cause it to happen. I, I, I can, I can, I can pray for it. I can pray for it. I can beg God. But you know what? You and I need to pray. I mean, yes, one man, I believe, could probably call down revival if he prayed faithfully enough. But I'm going to tell you, if we all got to praying, it wouldn't take long. If we just really go to praying. I tell you, we we got to do it. We got to do it because, listen, the time is short. And the devil knows the time is short. He's busy. And I know you can see that he's terribly busy right now in this world. Like I said, we can't organize revival, but we can prepare our hearts for revival. We can humble ourselves before God. And asked for him to do his work of reviving in our hearts. I read our text one more time and we're done. For thus saith the high and holy one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God Wants to revive you. Do You see that? God said He wants to. He He He's dwelling there, reviving people. He wants to. He's got. He said, "I'm with the one who has a broken, humble heart." I wonder not God just somebody under conviction come with a broken, humble heart. I will to revive. I won't revive. Hope, revive, hope, revive, hope, revive I want, I want my marriage to, to, to grow to grow closer
0: to you and thus grow
1: better. Lord, I want I want to see my kids get my close to you again. I want I want to see, Lord, you work on my job and, and deal with people I work with, Father, please use me. Lord, I, I want you to use people of a school. I want I want I want you to use me to reach people of a school. I want I want you to use me to, to reach people wherever I go. God, I don't want this life to just pass me by and someday I stand before you with an empty hand. God, please provide. I will. I hope you do too. Let's stand together. <laughs> She's gonna come and we're gonna sing 162. Lord, I'm coming home. If God's dealing with you this morning, come to Him. Come on to
0: Him and lay in the altar. This is-
1: I come before you, and I ask you this morning. Please, will work in us, please, dear God. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you draw us to a big heart. will
0: work. And <laughs>
1: If he did, I hope and pray you won't forget about it by the time we get to eat. I hope and pray you'll go home this afternoon and you'll continue that conversation with God. And you'll seek to do his will. I, I, I pray your heart hard to get hungry for revival. I pray you start praying permanently for God to renew you, to restore you, to light that fire in you again. I'm praying for that for myself. And I urge you to pray for that. And if we'll do that, if we'll both do that, God's going to do something. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Listen, we may not have a community-wide revival, but we can have one here in this church. That's for sure. So you pray for that, and I'll pray for that, and we'll just see what God does. All right? Anything anybody, anybody wants to add, Before we dismiss Go back here and eat. Anybody, anything? God sure is good, isn't he? He's very good. Amen. He's sure been good to me. I tell you, I, it's interesting that I have this Bible. I'm preaching this. This Bible was given to me in '99. I've had it for a very long time. I quit preaching that it was a long time ago because it started tearing up. But I, I grabbed it this morning, and it has a date on the front. It says February 2nd, 1996. February 2nd, 1996, is is an important date for me because that's the night I experienced personal revival after running from God for over 20 years. That's the night I laid everything down and I and I turned it over to God. And three months later, he called me to preach. So. I don't think it's any coincidence I picked this Bible up and preach out of this morning. You know, every one of us needs to have a February second, nineteen ninety six. We need to have a time we look back and say, God, God moved in my life that day, and not not just our salvation, but God, God moved in my life and revived me and restored me, and I'm, I'm set to get out here and do something for God. While we're still time, let's let's seek let's seek God for a time of revival and renewal in our life. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll be dismissed. We're going to ask a blessing on the food. And uh, we're going to go back there and get us a big plate of food and get full, all right? Dan, pray on the
0: food. then go into I'm just coming after my joke. So, we the going